Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, and this is a bite-sized research episode of the Learning Scientist Podcast, where we briefly describe research findings on a specific topic. We're often asked whether the effective strategies for learning that we talk about are only applicable to fact learning. So actually, at a recent workshop with K-12 teachers, we were asked the following question. What do these strategies do to students' abilities to make inferences, apply what they know, and think creatively? So Megan actually responded to this question with a blog post that she aptly named, Retrieval and space practice sound great, but are they just for memorization? Hint, the answer is no. Today, I wanted to continue answering that question by describing the results of a study on spaced retrieval practice that looked not only at performance on factual questions, but also on performance at performance on higher order or application questions. So the study I'm looking at today is by a group of researchers at York University in Toronto in Canada, and the researchers are Irina Kapler, Tina Weston, and Melody Weishart. And this study was published in 2015 in a journal called Learning and Instruction. So how much more relevant can you get than that? Their goal was to extend the already huge evidence for the benefits of space retrieval practice to a situation where students were actually engaging in what the authors called higher order learning. I'll talk about what that means in a minute, but I first just wanted to briefly remind you about those two strategies, space practice and retrieval practice, and how they combine to become spaced retrieval practice. So space practice is simply the idea of spacing out studying over time instead of taking that same studying and massing or cramming it right before a test. So space practice allows students to have multiple repetitions of the same information, but spaced out over time. And then the retrieval practice is just the idea of bringing information to mind from memory. And so there are many studies that show that this act of bringing information to mind from memory is actually a much more effective way to study than simply rereading, which is what a lot of students do. And then combining spaced practice and retrieval practice, we get spaced retrieval practice. So this particular experiment that I wanted to talk to you about is focused on the benefits of space practice to higher order learning. And so the authors measured higher order learning by asking students questions that required the students to both retrieve and manipulate information to solve a new problem or answer a new question that they hadn't been exposed to during learning. So these types of questions were included in the study in addition to factual questions. And these the factual questions only required students to just retrieve or remember pieces of information. I'm going to give you a concrete example because without an example, it's a bit hard to know what I mean. So here's an example from the materials. Students were actually taught a lecture on meteorology. And so an example of a factual question used in the study might be something like, warm air is associated with what type of air pressure? 
and I'm just gonna go ahead and admit it that I don't know the answer. <laughs> the answer was not provided in the appendix, so I do not know, and I was not a participant in the study and didn't experience the lecture. So I don't know the answer, but the student who had heard it presumably might be able to retrieve the answer correctly. But all they would need to do is just retrieve that piece of information to answer correctly. An example of an application question, however, is Mary sees lightning and hears thunder 12 seconds later. How far away is the storm from Mary? So there was no Mary in the lecture. However, the students were exposed to this idea that thunder happens after lightning and how the two relate in terms of knowing how what the distance is for the storm. So now the student has to retrieve the relationship between um, the time that it takes to hear thunder and light, uh, after lightning and then how that relates to distance. So they have to retrieve that and then they have to apply it to this new situation. So the overall procedure of the experiment went something like this. Undergraduate students participated in the experiment and they were actually psychology students who were doing this for extra credit but they were taught the lecture and the lecture was given by a real teacher. So the experimenters, the researchers were particularly focused on trying to ensure as far as possible that this lecture was quite similar to what students would typically experience in the classroom. But as I mentioned, these were students who were taking a psychology class and participating in this study rather than actually taking a class that would involve a lecture on meteorology. So this is what I would call the simulated classroom setting. Okay, so it is in the classroom. They're real students taught by a real teacher. However, this is not a class that is gonna count towards their grade. So after the lecture, all the students in the experiment answered a short answer quiz to determine how much they actually learned from the lecture. And then after that, this is where the actual experimental manipulation happened. So students either took a review quiz one day, so the next day after the lecture, or on the eighth day or eight days after the lecture. So that was the important manipulation. The review quiz they took was either, let's say, immediate or the next day, not quite immediate, but the next day or eight days later. The review quiz was taken online and it was in the format of a hybrid short answer and multiple choice quiz. So if you listen to last month's bite-sized research episode, Megan actually also talked about the hybrid quizzing format in that episode. But in this particular study, the way that it worked was that students first tried to answer a short answer question. They were then given feedback in the form of the correct response. And then after that, they were given the multiple choice version of the question. So they had to actually get that multiple choice question correct before they could move on to the next question. So this was just so that they would demonstrate that they actually read the feedback and integrated it rather than just clicking a random answer to move on. Importantly, 10 of the questions on this review quiz were factual. So remember the example I gave earlier where the student just had to retrieve a fact and then 10 were application questions. So importantly, the application questions didn't repeat the material in the lecture, right? So students couldn't answer these questions just by remembering what they'd heard in the lecture. They had to obviously remember and then also apply to a new situation. So 35 days after this review, remember that the review was either one day or eight days after the initial lecture, but 35 days after that review, all the students then came back and took a final test. And on that test, while the factual questions were exactly the same as those on the review test, the application questions were now rephrased again so that students couldn't answer those either by remembering what they 
they uh, studied in the lecture or by remembering what they put on the review test. So these were not the same application questions. So instead of, you know, Mary hearing the thunder and seeing the lightning certain time, it will be a different person with a different length of time. So they couldn't just remember what they answered previously. Okay, so this final test that took place 35 days after the review, that's the one we're really interested in. And what we're interested in is who performed better on that final test. Was it the students who took a review quiz after one day or the next day condition or after eight days or eight days after the initial lecture? And the answer is that for both types of questions, factual and application questions, those who took a review quiz after eight days performed better. So on both types of questions, not just the factual ones. And the difference in, in scores, it was about a half letter grade, which if you think about it, is quite a big difference when you consider the fact that the only thing that changed between the two groups was the timing of that review quiz. The actual activities that they took part in and the length of time that they studied, everything was exactly the same. It was just the timing of that review quiz that differed. It's important to note another detail that in the study they also did have questions that weren't covered in the review quiz at all. So these were these were pieces of information or um, of application that were covered in the lecture itself but then did not appear on that spaced review quiz. And so you probably won't be surprised to hear that on those questions students in both the next day and eighth day review conditions performed about one and a half letter grades worse than on the questions that they did practice during the review, right? So we know um, based on lots of previous research and also we've covered this in the podcast a lot that this retrieval practice and space practice and spaced retrieval practice even more so is going to be very helpful to learning. So it's no surprise that for the questions that were not practiced, the scores were quite a bit lower. But what was surprising was that participants in the eighth day review condition actually did better even on these questions that did not come up in the review. So better than the one day condition, right? Compared to participants in the next day review condition. And this is interesting because we don't often find this kind of carryover effect for material that wasn't quizzed during retrieval practice. And the authors speculate that here this happened because all of the information learned in the lecture was somehow related. It wasn't discrete pieces of information. And so they suggest that spacing out the retrieval practice of some of the information over time also helped maintain learning even of the unpracticed information because of how interrelated all of the pieces of information were in this particular study. So the takeaway points from the study are that spaced retrieval practice works not only in basic lab studies, but also in highly realistic classroom settings. Also, spaced retrieval practice helps not only memory of factual information, but also performance on more complex application questions. A very simple tweak in the timing of students' retrieval practice can have a measurable impact on later performance. The authors suggest, and I would agree, that instructors should try to provide students with well-spaced opportunities for effortful retrieval. Next month, we'll continue by talking about elaboration. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're able, please go over to iTunes and make sure to rate us. It helps others find our podcast so that we can share research about learning. I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, and thanks for listening. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by The Wellcome Trust.